The world is slowly standardizing the language of payments. This is happening for a number of reasons that are compelling to Canadian businesses and consumers, including international operability and richer data traveling with each payment. Although many countries have committed to implementing ISO 20022 payment message standard, including Canada, the market dynamics make broad adoption a complex challenge. There's a market gap that needs to be addressed, including limited understanding of the true potential of a completely ISO 20022 enabled payments ecosystem. Hi, I'm Justin Farabee, Chief Operating Officer of Payments Canada and your guide on the PayPod podcast, which examines all aspects of Canada's ambitious payments modernization mission. I'm joined today by Mike Siegel, the founder of newly launched 2022 Labs, a nonprofit organization focused on furthering the adoption of ISO 2022 globally. Along with Mike, we have Andrew Higgins, head of the IBM Payment Center in Canada. Thanks for joining me today on the PayPod. So Mike, ISO 2022. Not only does it sound boring, it sounds like something from Doctor Who or a scientific experiment in action. For those not in payments, I've seen their eyes glaze over as soon as you start with ISO part. What is it and why is it so important? Well, it's a payment message standard that's been around for um, close to 20 years now. It was defined I by- I thought it was new and exciting. Um it's kind of new and exciting too. Actually, no, we're just getting to a critical mass where it can be really useful to, to the general economy global on a global basis, not, not just here in Canada. So um, what's different about it, right, is that it defines uh, not just a payment to go from point A to point B, but it defines the business process in which that payment fits or that security message fits, right? Send send this stock certificate to this new um, shareholder. Um, but let me, let me give you an example. Uh, and I'm for this morning, I'm going to use the example of blenders that are bought or paid for by a little retail shop, right, to put up on their shelves. Um, is it one of those really fancy blenders? Or is it, uh, it could be a really could fancy be. blender, but, okay. but we will know from the message, actually. <laughs> okay, <great. laughs> you know, if, if a shop buys a, a, some blenders, then sometime after it arrives, they get a, a bill for those blenders, assuming they were pay, paid on credit. And then they look at that and they decide when to pay it. And then they write a check and they stuff it in an envelope and they send it off to some address. Well, most payment messaging standards today are just that process of put the check into an envelope and send it. As opposed to, wow, it's time for me to pay for the 10 blenders just arrived. Right. And when were they shipped and did they arrive and were they the right ones? Were they the right blenders that I ordered? Um, and was there any problems with the shipping? OK, no, everything's right. And now I can send off the payment that matches to that invoice. And when the seller gets it at the other end, they're like, oh, this little retail shop just paid me for these 10 blenders. It may be time for me to reorder some more. Okay. Right. Okay. I, so I get it's a it. little long description, but you you understand the the process steps and where today's payment messages, which is put the check in the envelope and send it, versus I'm paying for my blenders. So, Mike, you're not from Canada. Where are you from? Although my grandmother was born here. <laughs> that doesn't make you Canadian, but it's a good start anyway. Um, so I I live in San Francisco in in the heart of Silicon Valley. Um, and from there, I have a couple of different activities. I'm a very active early stage fintech investor through a fund called 500 Startups. We've done about uh, oh, nearly 70 investments in the last 24 months globally. 
Uh, and I do a bunch of consulting work with banks and insurers on their own digital transformation strategies and, and cultures. So why Canada? Why Toronto? A global lab headquartered in Toronto? Well, uh, I was introduced to the environment here in Canada um, several years ago through some work we did together on your FinTech Cup program. And um, what I noticed, first of all, was Canada, frankly, is pretty far behind in payments modernization. But there's well, a we're lot. We're trying to change that. Just, you are just trying to change record, that. We're trying, trying to change, change that. that. IBM, you're helping us. Okay. Yeah. But there's a lot of interest in activity, including from fintech startups, because we've seen a lot of great fintech startups here. And so it seemed like there was an opportunity to work with the folks here in Canada, and in particular in Toronto, to help Canada go from a laggard to a thought leader in what um, what you can do with ISO 20022. Um, and so that was a really exciting opportunity, right, to anchor an idea. And then I went around the world talking, validating that, you know, this lab idea is needed. Um, and everyone loved the idea of a nonprofit. And everyone was good with the answer of, well, Canada's got a lot of talent in this regard. And they've got an environment where you can run a lot of experiments and prove a lot of value and prove that the lab can make an impact. So Fantastic. So, Andrew, you do payments for IBM in Canada. You're part of the gravitational force that has brought this lab here. How does this lab in Canada at IBM relate globally to IBM's practice and to your global customers? Yeah, I think to the point that Mike was making, we've always viewed Canada as a great pilot. You know, both from an FI perspective, uh, corporates, fintechs, everything going on with payments modernization in Canada and the fact that it's, I would suggesting, learning from other experiences worldwide, looking at doing it right. And if I look at that from a doing it right perspective, a lot of what we've done, what IBM have done in payments in Canada can be instantiated and shared, you know. And can be learned from and grown from. And we're looking at this as a pilot for many other jurisdictions because we don't see the answer is just Canada. We don't see, you know, the only place we're focused on is just Canada. Even though other jurisdictions may have moved forward with 2022, uh, with many different, you know, payments modernization, uh, you know, whether it's mandated, legislated or, you know, voluntarily, I don't think anybody's done it right. I don't think the end is there. I think that we're just at the beginning of the next iteration of doing payments worldwide. And I think that we can learn from what we're doing in Canada and leverage it into other jurisdictions. And that's what we intend to do. Yeah. It doesn't hurt that if you implement this well on a cross-border basis, right? Canada ultimately generates more exports, more revenue, right? Cross-border is a big thing. Yeah. We, yeah. Think, we think it's pretty important. Fantastic. Right on. So what inspired you to create 2022 Labs? Well, first and foremost, I think this messaging standard is really important. Um, and it is because it makes it easier and more cost effective for actors in the economy, be they people or, or businesses, to interact with each other and deal with commerce. Right? It also bonds a lot of data to a payment message that wasn't there before which means you can integrate it more effectively into your business processes and you can analyze it and you can decide what direction you want to take your business based on that analysis. That said, the value of, of this message is dependent upon how many people use it, 
or how many companies use it. The network effect. Exactly. And it's really hard to convince any given individual company or person to use this payment standard unless there's others in the right. economy that first. are using it. Exactly. Right. So I created the lab because I think we can help move along that process of getting lots of actors in the economy to use the standard. And are you getting some now? Like, do you have a few? Is it kind of like in uh, when you're selling Coca-Cola or something, you got to get a really good celebrity to adopt it. Once they do, everyone else follows? Or how, how do you get people uh, in? Well, we've, we've got a whole range of corporate end users. We've got uh, a number of payment infrastructure providers, software providers, professional services providers who all sort of agree that activating the market in this way is really interesting to them. Andrew, IBM is everywhere. It works in every sector. It's big in financial services and it's global. So before we talk about ISO, can you just give us a little bit of the IBM view of it? And then you can talk about what you think is coming with the transition to ISO 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree very much with what Mike's saying. I mean, we've been building and modernizing payments uh, in multiple geographies for multiple years now. It's been a long time. Uh, all our products have been moved to 2022 standards for uh, just a while back. Oh, so you guys are already there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't think having a standard or having products that are re- readily available really makes a difference you know, when you think about driving adoption, when you think about driving a change. I think that until a business starts to exploit all the attributes associated with 2022, give themselves an advantage over their competition, you're really not going to move the needle much. So they got to see somebody win before they want to do it. They have to see a threat before they'll do it. Oh, okay. They have to see a necessity to change. You know, I, I go back to uh, uh, an old uh, futurist, uh, Buckminster Fuller, always said, you really have to create a new model that makes the old model obsolete. And uh, I think that's what we want to help do. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. You know, there's there's a number of jurisdictions around the world ha- who support this capability in their economy, but many of them um, got where they are based on regulatory mandate. Essentially, the government said, "Oh, you got thou shalt use ISO 20022." In other economies where it's not been adopted yet, or where the the mandate right hasn't come down from regulators yet. You need to tap, if you will, the, the greed or fear of, of the end users to decide, you know, w- we really can get a lot out of, out of using this stuff. So we should make an investment in, in using it. So you're talking about getting globally companies, small, medium, large, and financial institutions and all industry onto this standard and using it. It would be to their benefit. That's not a small challenge. No. How are you going to do it? <laughs> um, well, I, I alluded to it a moment ago. We want to go to starting with the large corporate customers who can see the most benefit out of using this capability set and basically first showing them what can be done generally for companies, then for companies in their same business or in their same geography Right. So give them some more context, what they stand to gain by adopting it, like reducing the cost of reconciling the payments that you receive. Right. And then help them look through their own organization right, to to create a business model to identify the risks of adopting it. So basically helping them uh, along the entire journey of deciding to implement 20022. 
we feel that if we do that with the demand side, with the customers, then the suppliers in the economy, the payment systems, the banks will be able to see that they'll get a return on the, frankly, very large investments they have to make. So start with demand. And so what is the the lab portion? Where's the experimentation and the beakers and all the lab coats and all the well, cool, neat innovation there's stuff sort of happening? There's two pieces um, to that. The first one is assuming that intellectually and by business model, you decided that it's worth investing in this new capability, then you want to figure out what the risks to your organization are. Is your current systems going to integrate with the new payment systems? And if you're able to do that in a laboratory environment, which represents both your system and the new payment system, then it doesn't have to impact your day-to-day business while you figure out what all the, the costs and risks are. So we want to remove the risks of doing that. Exactly. The second element of the lab is there's a lot of interesting things that you can do with the data that attach to these messages, but we don't know what all of them are yet. And again, for a bunch of actors in the economy, say a supply chain, right? The people that manufacture that blender, the people who distribute that blender, the seller of the blender, for them all to interact around this new capability and figure out how can they make their supply chain more efficient, more effective is again something that you need to do in a laboratory environment before you try and take it out into the the real world. So what is it that has drawn IBM to this? Is it the lab environment, kind of like your AI, Watson, or your your fraud stuff? Tell us about that. Well, I think having a lab is great. I think the biggest issue that I've seen over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, is that getting into the payments business, getting into the payments industry, isn't easy. Uh, There are a lot of barriers to entry here. When I talk to uh, many fintechs, the biggest issue they have just to survive, uh, you know, where to do the, what do they do with their cash flow? How do they place all their precious investment dollars? How do they keep pace with modernization roadmaps? Because if there's stops and starts, that's not good for them to get started with their business. So they see a lot of challenges. When I talk to them about what they're developing, it's pretty interesting to me because a lot of it has to do with foundation and plumbing. And if you're putting, you know, the greatest portion of your investment into foundation and plumbing, stuff that I have a great deal of, stuff that many other vendors out there has a great deal of, I just don't see it because you're not getting the value to your businesses. You're not getting any real focus put or any real money put on what your business was about. So from my perspective, you know, where I see 2022 labs kick in is creating that collaborative, innovative environment where they can partner, where I can bring my stuff, everybody else can bring their stuff, and these guys can leverage. And in leveraging, they can create possibly new business models that will make those old business, you know, old way of doing payments pretty much obsolete. Because I think that's really the next step we need to take. So you're bringing... All kinds of vendors, competitive in nature. You're saying you can bring all your stuff and others can bring their stuff. And you're bringing corporates from around the world and they're all going to meet in this place where they can learn about ISO and then they can play on this in this lab environment. That's the... That's right. 
And, and that, that, no, no, no. This that, isn't going to be like Noah's Ark where you got one of everything in there, but actually they eat each other. One's got it like, is this, is there, are they going to get along? Or, no, or so, somehow all the animals right. came off the ark. Yeah, well, that's true. Not, that's, not, true. Eaten, not a very right. good example. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an ecosystem with everybody. They're all competitors and everything. They all want to join here. I guess there's this a high tide lifts all boats. What's the that's, what's the incentive here? That's our thesis, mm-hmm. right? I mean, no one's, no, you know, IBM and its competitors in this space, they, they all have big pieces of business and they can all win more big pieces of business if the market evolves. So the some of the players who are coming into the lab are definitely direct competitors, but they're there to help not at all their own expense <laughs> raise raise the market up. Wow. And how does IBM feel about that? Well, that's what we're encouraging. Okay. Because uh, you know, let's <laughs> okay. walk the walk. Okay. You're ready to race. Well, no, we have to walk the walk. I mean, you know, some of our partners already complement and fill up gaps that I have in my service offering. Now, in truth, they also compete. And that's just the way it has to be. We've done this in pretty much every piece of payments business we've done, but we do it everywhere. We're not going to be alone. We can't be alone. And in order to, as I say, change the models, you really do have to ignite this industry and you have to get them to change. So let's say you actually managed to pull this off. What does this look like in five years? What's happened? What's changed? How's the world different or better? If we're successful in five years, we've probably got some material indicator that companies are adopting this and banks are moving their systems over. I also think we will ultimately be able to measure, if you will, the the, the economic value add of the, the bonding the data and the business process to the message. I'm not certain what that looks like today, but you know, folks who have adopted this will already see returns coming in. I also think you'll begin to see at that point in time some new business models that we can't even imagine having come to market. I think on a more practical basis, right? The lab and its partners will have you know, detailed use cases around various vertical industries and various supply chains on a global basis. I think we'll have provided a platform for fintechs, to, to Andrew's point, to be able to be part of this change or even help drive this change as opposed to it being led by the suppliers. So I, I think there'll be a lot of interesting activity that will happen. fascinating. And what does IBM get at the end of five years out of all this? Let's talk about what the industry gets first. I mean, to a great degree, I'd like to see, you know, myself drive up to a a gas station. The gas station already identifies my car. I've paid because I've, you know, pumped gas. I didn't actually pull up my phone. I didn't pull out a card. I didn't pull out anything. I see all sorts of use cases coming out of this. I see thousands. So I saw 2022s at the base of all of those huge payment innovations. Rich engagements. Yes. Wow. And it, again, right, it's, it's not at that level. It's not about the payments. It's about the commerce that is going on in and around in a, you know, those payments. I love it. It's not, it's, so right? it's not the payment. It's why did you make the payment? Exactly. I love it. So you launched the lab at the Payments Canada Summit. How'd it go? Uh, it was terrific. We couldn't have hoped for a better response. Um, some of the things that we announced there included some of our key partners, our friends at IBM, a couple of um, really interesting techno- early, earlier stage technology companies that offer key tools for um, experimenting in the lab and implementing ISO 20022. Those are um, XMLDation and Trace Financial and Volante. We're also really excited to announce um, support 
through the CHILA, which is Canadian Health and Life Insurers Association. We're working with five of their major um, clients. Uh, yeah, on uh, on what are the use cases and the ordering of the use cases and the value proposition of the use cases to ISO 20022 in the insurance industry. And we announced some support, not just from IBM, but from Visa and from MasterCard's Vocalink group. Um, so we've brought three large, ultimately competitors into the lab environment to help support the growth of ISO 20022. So wow, super fantastic. Happy. Congratulations. That's a great, great progress. Thank you both. We are excited about 2022 Labs. We think it can help fill the gap by working to establish market-driven demand for ISO 2022 among corporations and helping the Canadian payments ecosystem build an innovative, world-leading payments value chain. Mike, Andrew, thank you both for joining me today. We wish you great luck with the lab. As always, the PayPod is available for download on your favorite podcast app or payments.ca. Join the conversation online using hashtag modernpayments. That's all the time we have for this episode, but join us next week as we continue to delve into the world of payments.